the Everson Cooper podcast. We are entrepreneurs that are interested in what makes people successful. In this podcast, we sit down with a wide range of people with diverse perspectives and backgrounds. We dive into the obstacles that they've had to overcome, their successes, unique experiences, and everything in between. Our goal is to continuously learn from those around us and share their knowledge so that we can all find something that makes us better and makes those around us better. We hope you enjoy. Hi guys, Andy from Everson Cooper. On the podcast today, Elizabeth and I spoke with Eddie Skinner. Eddie currently owns Storehouse Mortgage and has been in the mortgage business for a number of years now. We talked with him about being an entrepreneur, changing careers, work-life balance, having a faith-based lifestyle, leadership, and we even get into some details of specific loans that benefit people who may be facing a hardship. You can find Eddie at storehousemortgage.com. He's on LinkedIn, Facebook, and even gives out his personal phone number later in the podcast. We've learned a lot from Eddie, Elizabeth and I have. We admire him for his success, but more importantly, his personal and professional ethics and moral compass. He enlightens us about one of his personal tenets, about striving to be fat. Um, <laughs> that's F-A-T. Uh, that's faithful, available, and teachable. Uh, so this conversation is full of great stuff, so we hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Thanks for listening. So on the podcast today, we have Eddie Skinner. With He's a broker with Storehouse Mortgage. Um, Eddie's been in the mortgage business for a number of years now, but you also made a career change. So that's something that we'll we'll delve into a little bit. But um, you're a Texas A&M graduate. Yeah, um, yeah. Got a degree in, in finance, yep. and so we'll we'll dig into all that. So Eddie, if you want to give a little bit of background, tell us you know about you. Um, kind of talk about you know, your childhood. You grew up a little bit. You don't have to do a you know, full biography, right. but <laughs> give a little context. Okay. So I am originally from here. I actually drove past my high school to get over to here. So went to McCullough High School. Back in the day, graduated in 1980, wow. went to Texas A&M for my undergrad, and while there, felt called into the ministry. So I went into the ministry in 1984 when I graduated, went to Dallas Seminary, eventually graduated from Southwestern Baptist, um, was in the ministry as a, pastor, a youth pastor, Sunday school education guy, and eventually a pastor, planted a church. Uh, did that for 23 years, had a pretty painful church split, which is part of what we'll talk about in a little bit, but uh, pretty painful church split and ended up going into the mortgage business uh, because of my financial background and my respect for Dave Ramsey and helping families be healthy with their finances. And so uh, been in and around the Woodlands before the Woodlands was here. So my family moved out here in 1969, which is wow. a long, I was seven years old. And so I've seen this place grow up and explode and change like crazy. So, you know, it was good. It was fun driving by McCullough Junior High. <laughs> thinking, man, I got a lot of memories from that place. Mm-hmm. So. so so as a kid, so obviously you grew up you know, in, in this area, the North Houston area. Right. Um did you did you have kind of a religious background? Did you you know did you grow up in the church and so Absolutely. when you decided to when you, after you graduated from Texas A and M going into theology that was something that maybe you already were right. interested in yeah. yeah so so I grew up in Oak Ridge Baptist Church which is now still here it used to be on the highway and they had a flood and moved back off to Hannah Road and so it's still there uh, went to that church from the time I was seven until after 
college when I started working at a church. And so that was my home church forever. Uh, loved that church, you know, just loved the people. There's still some people that are there that went there when I was there. My mom still attends that church. Uh, really, really felt uh, called to the ministry through a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ that was at Texas A&M. And so I got involved with a small group Bible study and just got discipled and challenged and pushed, really value accountability, still still in coaching stuff today with the mortgage stuff and, you know, being pushed physically, spiritually, emotionally, business-wise, you know, just 55, but still want to grow. And yeah. So, you know, got a hunger. There's, there's some uh, fantastic things that I learned from being in the ministry and, and, and there were also some painful things that, that have kind of come with me into the mortgage business that you think, okay, I want to do this better. Yeah. So, so uh, shortly after you graduated, you went to um, theology school. I guess what, what's the what's the proper name? That's right, theology That's right. school. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. I don't want to. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to offend anyone. Um, so, talk about kind of maybe the challenges or starting out. What were some of the lessons maybe that? You, know, you learned at that time, you know, you, you're scratching to get by. I think, you, you have, oh, yeah. were, you, were you married? Did you have a family at that time? So uh, my wife and I waited to get married until she graduated from A&M. So she was two years behind me in school. So I went to seminary for two years while I waited for her. And then she joined me in Dallas at Dallas Seminary. She came up there and we got married. So that first year we were in Dallas and... Man, we didn't make much money. So we lived in a little 800-square-foot apartment, and I cleaned pools to take care of what bills I could. So I was in great shape, had a great tan, <laughs> and, and smelled like chlorine all the time. And so, uh, you know, that was our story for the first year, and then we got called to a church in Corpus Christi and went down there and... Our crew that we worked with, we had a real successful uh, youth ministry, but the crew there always saw us as being the big city kids mm. from Houston. And so that was a challenge. So we stepped into a different culture. You know, I would talk to the high school students and ask them, hey, what's your goal? And they said, man, get a job and get a truck. Mm. Wow. Really? That That's your whole goal? And so uh, that was a challenge. And so... We ended up moving back to spring and, and have been here ever since. So that was back in 1987 we moved back. So now what did your wife do at the time? So it? she's been a teacher, a school teacher oh, okay. the whole time. Yeah, yeah she yeah. still teaches. She will retire this summer. Wow, good for her. Yeah, so after 30-some-odd years of teaching, <laughs> eighth-grade students. So, oh, my goodness. Yeah. What are you guys taught? We're both in. Junior high. Uh, yeah, yes, we were, we were yeah. I, I taught uh, three years in junior high yeah. and two years. Uh, yeah, two, three years in junior high, two years in high school. She taught six years of junior high. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you got out. And we got out. <laughs> right. That's a good thing. She's getting out, so she's going to come help me market. Oh, that's wonderful. So she'll be good at that. Yeah. So, oh, that's yeah. exciting. Yeah. Very good. Uh so I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about, so you, you were in, you know, you were a pastor of a church mm -hmm. for what, 23 years, 25 years? Yeah. Ministry. So ministry. I pastored okay. the ministry. last 10 years I was okay. pastoring. So okay. I was a lead pastor okay. for 10. So, so you were, you were the leader of, of a church, essentially mm -hmm. the entire organization right. for what, about a decade or so? Right. Right. Okay. So talk about being the leader of a church and then transitioning to a completely different or seemingly completely different right. career path. What, what was that? What was, I mean, it was exciting. Was it challenging? Were you 
some days yeah. you wake up like, oh my God, what am I doing? Yeah. Oh, know, talk a little bit about that. Every day. <laughs> Still. It's like, what am I doing? So uh, I felt I felt real called to a purpose-driven church. And so I don't know if you guys have read Rick Warren's Purpose-Driven Life mm-hmm. or Purpose-Driven Church. And mm-hmm. so it was a real balanced approach to how to do ministry. And so really felt called. I read the book while I was a youth pastor and read it again as a church planting pastor and read it again and started talking to my wife about, man, you got to read this book. And man, I very clearly know God called us to plant a purpose driven church. Mm -hmm. And so planted that there's always been this entrepreneurial spirit in me that, that wanted to try new stuff, do different things. And so when we planted a church back then, it was a new kind of format for church. And so it was, it was fun. Just really trying to hit people where they were, not being religious, but being relational with God mm-hmm. and just challenging folks. Hey, man, there's, there's, there's more to church than just going to church. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a relational deal. You know, it's just doing, doing life with God and other people. So doing it in community. And so that, that was a heartbeat is we're better together. So we would just challenge folks, hey, we're better together. Yeah. You know, in business, we're better together. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to be the Lone Ranger in church or in business or in life, you're going to struggle. You know, God God wired us to need each other. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the whole purpose of marriage is he wired us to need our spouse. And so, uh, you know, that that was, that was then, it's now. You know, it's a whole, when we go to networking groups or whatever, the whole purpose is, hey, we're just better together. And so... Uh, challenge for me was having a church split and, and we had, we had as leaders had made a financial decision that was a little challenging and actually turned out to be a Ponzi scheme. And we, we had made money on buying and selling some land and we lost money, $300,000 on a Ponzi scheme. And when we lost the money, we had a younger crew that basically said, okay, you really should not be leading the church. And it caused a church split. And so very painful for myself, very painful for my wife. You know, my wife ended up saying, hey, I can't do this anymore. And so at that point it was, she said, you can do it, but I can't do it. We, I just can't do this. Mm -hmm. And so at that point it was, okay, do I do ministry or marriage? And and so that's what led me into the mortgage business. Mm -hmm. So I had, a, I had a friend that went to church. He had come to know Christ. He was in the mortgage business, and and he basically came and said, "Eddie, you'd be great at this." You know, okay. <laughs> so I'm I'm almost fifty years old at that point. I'm looking and saying, "Okay, I don't I don't know what to do." You know, I, all I've known is ministry. And so we had a we had a church in Corpus Christi that wanted me to come as pastor. We had a church in Austin that wanted me to come as pastor. And then we had a daughter who was a senior in high school that we said, this is just not fair to her to grab her out of every relationship she's had just for my career. Mm-hmm. So, so I went into the mortgage business just with that whole mindset of, okay, you know, here, let's try something different. Yeah. And so. So it's a sacrifice you had to think about for yourself, not well, not even for yourself, for your for your family, right? right. Uh, that you had to make, yeah. uh, that, you know, that decision. You know, that was an easy, you know, that was an easy one for me. It's like, hey, family's always going to come first, right. you know. Right. So yeah, yeah, okay. Um, now during that time, do you think your was your faith ever tested? Oh you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So 
So I, I had always taught this thing of when you hit challenges, you wanted to be stepping stones, not stumbling blocks. Mm-hmm. You wanted to be opportunities, not obstacles. And, and, and so I, I challenged our guys with that all the time, you know, let it, let it be a stepping stone, not a stumbling block. Let it be an opportunity, not an obstacle. And, and for me, preaching, that's one thing. But then when you have to live it yourself, that's a whole other deal. So right. for me, because of the circumstances of how the uh, church split had happened and some of the things that happened after that, boy, I, I, the other thing I would tell them is, you know, you need to be better, not bitter. And yet mm. for me... That's a challenge because we were hurt. You know, folks yeah. that folks that we had thought we were close to, like crazy, I mean really close to, would dodge us in grocery stores or turn away from us at restaurants. Wow. And so it felt like, for us, right or wrong, it felt like we had divorced about 700 people. So anybody that's ever been through a divorce knows just the wounds and pain that goes with that. Mm-hmm. And so you imagine getting divorced from 700 people, it just, it hurt us, you know? And, and so I bet it was two, three years before we really started waking up without thinking about the church split or being let go from a church. Sure. And so, you know, and finally time heals stuff, you know, and God heals. And so after three, four years, we would look at each other and we wouldn't think about that church or those folks. And, and we slowly those days happened where you looked at each other and said, Hey, we didn't we didn't talk about that yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we knew God was healing us. You know, but until mm-hmm. then it was it was a heavy weight. You know, folks that go through divorces, they don't move ahead because they're always looking back at their spouse or ex spouse or stuff going on with the kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and that was us for mm-hmm. probably three, four years. Yeah. So and it's actually kind of a nice segue because now I want to talk a little bit about what you're currently doing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're in the mortgage business, you're right. a mortgage broker. Right. What did that experience, that challenge, uh, kind of? How do you use that, uh, you know, in your skill set now of making you a better entrepreneur, a better business owner, a better broker? So I, the mortgage business has a lot of differences in pricing, fees, service. I've been through a couple of different sets. And so the thing that got me to the broker world was realizing I want to give folks the best fees, service, and pricing that we can give them. And so whenever you go to a larger bank, there's there's layers of pricing that are padded into the stuff. And so part of what got me to the broker world was just a, a desire for families to be healthy, a desire to do Dave Ramsey type stuff, financial peace. And a desire to say, hey, here's a better way. Let me help you. I probably do more counseling with the mortgage stuff than I did as a pastor because folks come in with all sorts of stuff. And, you know, as a pastor, I would tell them, hey, there's three things that that challenge couples to to either be strong or weak. It's money, sex, and power. So, and the power comes with who's in charge of the money and the sex. And so... You know, I always, I always challenge them, and 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 same thing's true with mortgage stuff. Is folks come in and they want too big a house, and so they may qualify for stuff. But as a pastor, I call myself the mortgage pastor. As a mortgage pastor, I want to say, hey, man, let's get you healthy. 
you know, yeah. if you like to go out to eat all the time, you don't need to be buying a bigger house that pushes all your ratios. That's right. You know, if you don't like to do that or you don't want to travel, you know, there needs to be margin in life, time-wise, money-wise, all that for us to be healthy. And so it, as a businessman right now, one of the challenges I'm facing is how do I, at 55 years old, run a healthy business that serves folks well and yet... I stay engaged with my own family with margin and health and physically working out and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, well, and not, not to talk about ourselves, but that we can empathize with that. So when we, when we bought this house that we're in here in the Woodlands, um, we had just gotten married and we were teachers at the time. We didn't have a lot of money, right. uh, but we were somewhat healthy right. financially. We didn't have a lot of debt. Uh, and you know, we got qualified for a certain number and we kind of sat down and said, look, we, we don't have family around here. Right. So we know that we're going to travel. We, we have a good set of friends that we like to go and do things. We like to go to the rodeo right. or do a basketball game or whatever. So we don't want to be housebroken. Right. And so I'm very thankful that we had some, some good people that were good examples for us that we kind of learned from that. Like, Hey, you know, when you're 25, 26, you don't have to have the big, humongous right, house right. that you got to buy all this furniture and fill right. up. You know, live your life. That and you even at fifty-five, you don't have to have that house. Sure, yeah, exactly. Sure. One yeah. of the best pieces of advice we got was that you should be able to afford your mortgage off of one person's salary, right. even exactly. if both are working. And that's been a huge blessing for us because we, in our five years of marriage, have had job losses, job changes, and it's also provided me an opportunity to decide to quit my job so right. I can start this business. And, you know, it made a really big difference for us yeah. to say, let's just afford a house on one salary. It gives us so much flexibility because you don't know what life's going to throw right. at you. That's right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So how much, so how long going back to the transition from you being a pastor mm-hmm. into the mortgage business, how, and I know that you mentioned about two or three years, you know, it took you to until you, you and your wife woke up and you didn't think about right. it. Was there any time where you had challenges being, you know, fully in the mortgage business you're like, man, I feel like being a pastor would be so much easier because maybe it feels natural to you. Like, I've done this for so long. I know I like the back of my right. hand. You know, I feel like I'm you know, trying to reinvent the wheel of what I'm doing now. Did that ever happen? If, and if it did, so, talk a little bit about it. Maybe. Yes and no. So uh, there, there's parts of me. I don't know if you guys have ever read this book called Halftime or Game Plan by Bob Buford. Mm-hmm. So great book. Okay. It'd be good for you guys to read now. But in, in that in that book, he talks about typically you spend the first half of your life working towards significance or su- success. And the second half of your life, you work towards significance. And so success means you get financially stable. You make your plans. You set up retirement, all that stuff. The second half, once you've established those financial stability, you know, and goals and kind of that arena, the second half is significant. You spend more kind of impacting eternity. And so I feel like, and I've shared this with several of my friends, I feel like I did the most significant stuff the first half of my life. And now I'm busting my hiney to try to be successful financially because as a teacher and a pastor, we just did not have a lot of money to set aside. Sure. And so, um, you know, that, that's that's been the challenge. The 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 comfort zone. I I knew how to pastor. I knew how to build. But what I what I realized from different coaches that I've kind of paid some pretty significant money to kind of inspect my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I realized there's there's a there's an entrepreneurial side of me, and there's a 
calling to love people. And so I, if you guys are familiar with the DISC profile, I'm an mm-hmm. I off the chart. So I test like 98% I, <laughs> and then I'm a second, my secondary gift is S. So I'm, I, I need systems. Mm-hmm. So I need in the mortgage business, in a church, I needed a system that made sense to me. And so I think that I think for entrepreneurs, there's a real challenge. Know, know who you are, mm-hmm. you know, know, I know I'm a people person. I know I get energy from being around people. I like being with folks. I like loving on folks. I like encouraging them. Probably the one thing I miss from pastoring is standing in front of a crew and trying to encourage them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what I miss. I don't miss the politics that goes with churches. And I, I pray for our pastors because I look and I think, man, those guys are in challenging positions. Mm-hmm. You, and in your jobs, you know, there's a hierarchy to how it works in a church. Often, if it's not led right, you have five or six or seven hundred or seven thousand or however big the church is. You have seven thousand people who think they should be your boss because in the church we want to empower people to be involved with stuff. And so, you know, in in the mortgage business, you got a whole bunch of folks who want to tell you how to do your business, and you think, okay. You guys don't know how to do this. I'll serve you and love you, but you've got to trust us as we walk through this process. You guys help folks buy houses and, you know, invest in houses. You know that better than anybody else does. And so as as they come alongside you and you come alongside them, they got to trust you, mm-hmm. you know. And if they don't trust you, it's going to be a rocky road to get that right. stuff done. So Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you make about, you know, in a business, in any sort of organization, you need to have the systems and the processes right. just so that things can run smoothly right. and you bring more people into the fold or, you know, whatever. You have those processes. But then also, you have to be very good, especially in small business, being an entrepreneur. You have to be very good in interpersonal relationships. <laughs> you don't have to be, you know, uh, you know, Bill Clinton or whoever in terms of character, in terms of charisma. Hopefully not. <laughs> in terms of the charisma. Yeah. But we'll keep it at that. <laughs> but you do have to be able to meet with people, talk with them, under, try and understand it from, from their perspective. Um, and I think we've definitely learned. I think we, we kind of already knew that from right. teachers. And, and I think I think our background's a little similar. Right. We had to be teachers. We had to be essentially servants to right. you know a lot of different people, a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different expectations. Yeah. And so that was a, we were able to translate that into business. And we know that every person that we work with is always going to be a little bit right. different. Uh, so I think that's a very good point that you make. I, I think in in anything you do in life, I don't care what your job is or where you're at, God calls us to be a servant. You know, so mm-hmm. if if you can embrace being a servant in whatever a teacher, a mortgage pastor, helping folks invest in real estate, whatever, you know, if you can embrace being a servant you're going to be miles ahead of the game because you're you're, i know folks in my life that one of their favorite phrases is don't tell me what to do (laughs) and i think okay if that's your mindset you're going to struggle Mm -hmm. because god tells us what to do we can argue with him our bosses tell us what to do our parents tell us what to do and every, you go through any part of life, if you can't humble yourself and be a servant, you're going to struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll, you'll fight with yourself all through life. And so. It's true. Yeah. That reminds me of a book. And I still have not read it, but I know the synopsis of it pretty well. It's called uh, Ego is the Enemy. 
Mm, and essentially, it's, it's yeah. very much yeah. like that about being humble. It's not you know, being self-deprecating right. thinking right. about you're not worth anything, but it's setting your ego aside and saying, look, this is really what I need to do. Is me being right all right. the time right. the most important yeah. thing or is getting it right, right. the most yeah. important thing? Yeah. Well, you look at Jesus. You know, Jesus came and humbled himself to the point of becoming like us. You know, Philippians, becoming a doulos, a servant, and then going to the cross. Mm-hmm. And you think, okay, and he modeled it for us. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we think somehow we're better than everybody else or we're better than, you know, it, for me, I take pride in the the most credit-challenged person I talk to is still somebody that God wants me to love. Mm-hmm. And, and they might they may not get a mortgage, but I can still inspire them somehow to grow in their financial stuff, you know. And so when we take that approach, that person may give me a lead of somebody that is a fantastic client that can qualify to buy a house, but but if I didn't treat that other person with respect and and serve them and love them, I'd have missed out on the other lead. And so I, I think we, we don't know. You, ne- you never know who you're talking to. It could be Jesus, you know, <laughs> standing there with you, and he looks a little strange and different and dressed up different, and you think, okay, but but he wanted me to love them. Mm-hmm. You know? so, yeah, but you reap what you sow. Absolutely. And you know, you, uh, yeah, you, what, whatever you put out there is always going to come back in some form or fashion, That's right. and you never right. know. And I think you know, Elizabeth is, I can't take much credit for doing this. I, I, I know I struggle with that mm-hmm. every day. But I, I do think Elizabeth does a great job with this, and I think this is why she's 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 very magnetic mm-hmm. in in the business yeah. in with with what what we do. Again, I can't take any credit for that because she she does she has that mindset with you know man these people this this situation we're probably not going to make any right. money on this right. I don't even know if I can get them any money but she's always focused on finding a solution right. Right. It's always it's the human aspect yeah. of like look these people are human they own this home. If we can find a solution for them and we don't even make a single dime, that's fine because the ultimate goal really is to find them a solution. Right. We just happen to have a business right. that potentially can make some money off right. of this, but right. we'll never make money off of it if we can't first try and find right. these people's solutions. Yeah. So, yeah, that's um, I'm, I'm I'm very proud to be in business with her. Yeah. Um, yeah, she, you, she, she, you, she happens to be my wife. I'm very glad she's, she, she's a business partner. As you well. outkicked her coverage. So, Definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard that many times with my own wife. That, okay, man, yeah, how did yeah. you get her? So, my daughter this last week called me and she said she saw some old pictures of us when she was a little kid and she said, Daddy, you used to be good looking. <laughs> I said, Oh, thanks, honey. So I'm not sure how to take that. <laughs> no, no, no. You're still good looking, Dad, but you used to be really good looking. Well, you can tell her, like, hey, buddy, you know, you just got to look forward to that. That's right. Better, That's better, right. Live it up while you can. I have gray <laughs> hair and less hair and stress lines because of you as a child. Right. So, yeah. so. so listen, I know that you wanted to get into um, some specifics about some some products, some loan products and whatnot. So mm-hmm. I know that you had some, some questions that you wanted to ask Eddie and have him clear up and whatnot. So uh, give you the opportunity to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the reasons that uh, I really just, I mean, everything that we've said, Eddie, is so much of why we just love and respect you. But I think for sure in your mortgage business, you offer so much more than just sure I can get you a loan. And you've right. definitely elaborated right. on that and you're great at it. 
one of the the types of the families that we've been working with, of course, since Harvey has been victims that right. want to sell their house in an as-is condition. It's flooded. They've lost everything. They just want to take what's left and move on. Right. And uh, there's a loan out that they can use to to purchase a new house. And I, so I always tell people about it. It's the 203H loan, and I kind of give them a little bit of a summary, but I'm not the expert. Right. So talk to us about how that loan can serve these families that lost their houses in Harvey. So uh, the FHA loan is a government loan. Uh, we typically do what's called a 203B loan, which is 3.5% down. It is a fixed rate 30-year loan. It's a good loan. Interest rates are typically lower. Uh, the downside of the FHA loan is you pay uh, mortgage insurance mm -hmm. for the life of the loan. So you pay it for 30 years. If you own it for 30 years, it never goes away. A conventional loan, the PMI can go away typically after about five years. Mm -hmm. The 203H loan is the same exact loan as a 203B, but in hurricane or disaster areas, we can do that loan with 0% down. Mm -hmm. And so uh, only other loans like that that we have, we have a USDA loan that is 0% down, but you have to be kind of out of the city to get that. Uh, the VA loan is for vets, mm -hmm. and we can do 0% down. But the, the 203H is a great product that they've allowed us to use for a season. I'm not real sure how long even that will be allowed, but at least for now, in and around where we live, it's, it's available. And so it's a good product. So I've heard that the families have until like just at the end of August this year to, I guess, claim that loan. They don't have to use it yet, but there's something okay. where they can apply for okay. it through like what Harvey hit us August 25th or 6th. Right, right. So it's like the day before that this year they right. can claim it, but they don't have to use it right away. <laughs> and we've, we've been encouraging a lot of families, especially, you know, when we've been working with realtors on, you know, some of these flooded houses and saying, listen, you know, you can help this family by getting them a solution here. We'll come in, buy their house right. as is condition. They can move on. But then you take that family and take this loan and they right. don't have to go put right. money down if it's a fit for them. Some of them might want to put money down because like right. you said, they've got the mortgage right. insurance, but it's such a beautiful product it's that they can product. get into. Now they can refi out of that too, Absolutely. right? If they decided. Absolutely. Yeah. So here's, here's what I would share, not just about that loan, but about any loans is interest rates are climbing. Mm -hmm. And so they've gone up twice already and continue to go up this year. And so if anybody's thinking about buying or doing anything with their house, if, if they haven't refied by now, I still get a few calls every now and then from folks who want to refi, and I think, man, where have you been? Yeah, you know, you've you've missed. There was a window about two years ago that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Last year was good. Now, if they're trying to refi, unless they have some really bad loan product from before, it just doesn't make sense. Or a lot of folks want cash out. You know, right. so. You know. So talk to us about some of the things that you do specifically that make you really stand out from, from the rest. If I, if we were coming to you for a mortgage, right. what would that look like? So the three things that we advertise is we'll close on time, mm -hmm. which is not a given in our society. We will clearly communicate with every party. So not just the clients, but with title company, both sides, both realtors, 
We don't typically talk to the seller of that pro of that house, but we talk to them through their mm-hmm. listing agent. So everybody always knows here's what's going on. And then the last thing, like I mentioned before, is just the competitive pricing. There is a significant difference in typically we're about a quarter point lower wow. than, than most folks. Uh, and then even the uh, fees that we charge are significantly lower. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so, you know, th- th- those are the three things that, that we, you know, really advertise. And so we, we have what's called a, uh, uh, some of my friends call it a white glove service. Some of my friends call it a concierge service, but we really try to make that complicated process as smooth as possible, you know, so. Right. No, absolutely. Cause it is, it's certainly complicated and it can be overwhelming. I remember shopping yeah. different mortgage companies and getting, trying to figure out what the difference is right. through all of that. Yeah. Now you keep mentioning Dave Ramsey, um, do you do anything like specific with people that come in and maybe need some credit repair or just some guidance on kind of how to navigate Absolutely. buying a house and doing life? Yeah. What does that look like? So, so uh, the credit repair, we we have a an expert. He's not part of our company, but he's a guy that we trust. So that's that networking part. We There are a ton of credit repair folks mm-hmm. or so-called credit repair folks that will take your money and do nothing. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, we've found a guy that we trust. His name is Jim Hogle that we trust. We've sent folks to him. And the kicker is if the client will do what he says, mm-hmm. they'll get healthy. If, if, if I go to the gym and hear what the coach says I need to do, but I don't do it, it doesn't matter. Right. If, if I go to, I, I have a, a lady that helps coach me on how to eat better. She can tell me that, mm-hmm. but if I go to Popeye's like I did yesterday, <laughs> when I go back and tell her I went to Popeye's or tell my wife, who's kind of my, she sees me, she right. knows, hey, you didn't eat right, you know, well, then that, that doesn't do any good. So if we tell them what to do on the credit, there's there's a reason they have lower scores. Right. It's a lifestyle. There's been changes. There may be some circumstances, but there's a reason folks have lower scores or higher scores. There's a consistency of life that's reflected through that credit report. Mm-hmm. You know, I I tell my daughter all the time that if she's going to start dating or considering marrying somebody, I want to pull his credit. <laughs> so, it's like, because the credit score tells a bunch, mm-hmm. you know, your, your physical condition tells a bunch, you know, you, you, your financial condition tells a bunch. And so I, I, I think credit scores, we want to help them, you know, not just to get scores up, but also to learn things about themselves. You know, what is, what is it they need to learn that got them there? Mm-hmm. And so that's where the Dave Ramsey principles, and I can't even tell you specifics. It's just kind of a core value that right. that permeates through me to say, hey, let's be healthy. You know, let's mm-hmm. don't buy this house that means you have no margin. You know, buy buy right. a house. So so I, I think the thing for us, one of the things is is just a deeper, a deeper concern for them being healthy mm-hmm. all in all of life, not just, Hey, let's get you a house. So, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think sometimes people think that mm-hmm. buy, when you buy a house, you've made it like right. I did it, but right. then you forget that 
the air conditioner breaks in right. August and right. you have to replace it yeah. all of a sudden yeah. or a storm comes and you've got a leak in your roof right. or whatever. And all of a sudden those things just pile on, which is where we end up coming in down the road. Right. And we see these people that have been hit with all of these right and left issues right. that they can't fix for one reason or another. And it's a lot. I mean, it's hard to be a homeowner. You've got a lot well, to take care of. Harvey was such an extraordinary storm mm-hmm. that you think, I, I've lived here all my life. Uh, I've gone through hurricanes and all sorts of stuff. And never, ever, and I pray, we never see that again. Mm-hmm. You look at it and think, man, a thousand-year flood or whatever they're calling it. And, and I, I had a cousin. You you worked with my cousin. That, that her parents had lived in that house for 40-some-odd years and had never even come close to flooding, did not have flood insurance. And she got five feet of water in the house, and it destroyed it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know... There were, thankfully, she was healthy enough financially to endure losing about $160,000 worth of equity yep. overnight, yep. you know, overnight. So, yeah, that was really terrible. Yeah. It was hard to see. And there were a lot like, like, oh, yeah. cousin, mm-hmm. it was yeah. really, it's really heartbreaking. I got flood insurance after that storm. That's I, right. I've never, I've never come close to flooding, mm-hmm. but man, I thought, man, I as well. who knows? That's so. right. Absolutely. So I know we're, we're getting a little close to, to time. I know we want to be mindful of um, what you have to do. So we do have kind of some, I guess, you know, quick bullet point okay. questions. You don't have to give a quick answer. Okay. Um, but um, so talk about, talk about a little bit about habits. Um, you kind of talked about, you know, the credit scores, a little right, bit of right, reflection of right. your lifestyle. So what is, whether you have one or, you know, a couple of specific habits that, you feel have really helped you become successful and help you continue to be successful. Talk a little bit about those. So, uh, man, I, first I'd say I, I, I know I have much to learn in all those areas. So I, I think I've, I've always been taught from the time I was in college and got disciples to try to be fat, you know, faithful, available and teachable. Hmm. So, you know, that, that whole deal, a lot of us as Americans, we're fat, but in the wrong sense, you know. And so I look at it and I think in every area of your life, you need to be balanced. You need to be healthy. You need to have some goals and pursue those goals. And, you know, I try to teach realtors. I work with realtors a lot of times, trying to coach them on their business. And I try to tell them, hey, you know, what are your written out goals? And, and Brian Tracy will tell you that 3% of the people in life have their goals written out where they know them. 97% of the people serve the 3% that have them written out. And so I asked realtors, Hey, which, which group do you want to be in? You know, what, what's your business plan? I talked to realtors about what's your business plan. And they look at you like, well, sell houses. Okay. How are you going to find them? Uh, and, and, and they don't have a plan. And so the, the successful realtors have a game plan. The successful, I, my game plan is to have 30 realtors who actually have business, who know me, love me, and trust me, who would send me one deal that closes every other month. So my goal is to close 15 loans a month, and 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 I haven't hit that. I've, I've hit 13, I've hit 10, I've hit 11. My goal is to get to 15. And so I'm hiring a loan partner now so that I can get to that 15 and, and still have some balance and health. Yeah. So. I, I think one print one uh, uh, when you're a people person, one of the things I've got to do is time block. And so I think 
religiously time blocking. So my my coaches currently are trained physically by Navy SEALs, and and so they've got us getting up at five five thirty in the morning as a whole team, saying, okay, physically we're going to go manage that, come home spiritually, spend some time with God, reading something constructive, reading the scriptures, praying, journaling, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then starting your day in a healthy way and having a time block, having a, having a game plan. And so starting a new business as a broker has been challenging for me because my time blocking is out of balance right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't care how old you are, you're going to have challenges like that, that you've got to continue to work on your time blocking mm-hmm. and, and check yourself and be honest about, Hey, right now, I'm just, I, I would say, honestly, right now I'm out of balance and I don't like that. I want to be healthier and more balanced because I've been healthier and I've got to get back to, so I'm fighting to get back to that. Right. So, but you at least know that. Oh yeah. Know that you're out of balance. Yeah, if you don't know that, yeah. you're in trouble. Yeah. You know, a lot of folks are out of balance and they don't even know they're out of balance mm-hmm. and they think, Hey, this is just how life is. And so that's not a good place to be, yeah. you know? Absolutely. All right. What has been the worst job you've ever had? And <laughs> now, it doesn't have to be like you, you know, wanted to hang yourself after every right. day you went home from work, but just like, man, I know I never want to do that again, but here's why. Right. So I haven't had many jobs, but the very first worst job I ever had, I, man, as soon as I started working there, I, I, it was while I was a senior at McCullough, I was a burger cook at Sonic Drive-In oh over gosh. on I-45. And I worked there one week and hated it. <laughs> and I smelled like burgers. I smelled like fries. I went home to my mom and I said, Mom, I'm, I'm quitting. And she said, you have to put in a two-week notice. And so I worked at Sonic for three weeks <laughs> and, and knew not that, I mean, that can be a great job for other folks, but, man, that was not what I want to do with my sure. life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I've always been challenged. So I am wired as an entrepreneur where... I, 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 I am disciplined enough to work for myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you're every person I know is a commissioned employee. They are either commissioned for themselves or like when you guys were commissioned, you were commissioned teacher. Mm-hmm. The school was making X number of dollars off of you as a teacher mm-hmm. and you were getting paid less than that. So there was a gap there that somehow the school, the state, whoever was making some money off of you. And if you didn't perform your commission based job as a teacher, you were going to get let go. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we work for ourselves as an entrepreneur, we take that gap out of there and we actually benefit more financially than working for someone else. So that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. What is what's something that you believed for a very long time, and then it turned out to, you know, essentially not be true, or or kind of you know you changed your mind over time. Hmm. Out of all the questions you've asked me, I'm not I'm not sure how to answer. That. <laughs> I don't know that I have one okay. that I've believed for a while, and and it changed my mind. I, I think I've been disappointed by, uh, I've, I've always felt like if you treat folks right, they're going to, they're going to reciprocate on that. And so I've seen through, through several years that that's not always the case. And so I, I, I think I've been let down a little bit by, you know, 
I feel like I'm a good guy. I feel like I'm gonna love folks. And I feel like, hey, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna do that back, you know. But what I've seen is there's a lot of folks that, for whatever reason, their value system is different. Where they don't think that same way, and so I I don't know that that's changed my belief. And it's, it's just been a little disappointing. Sure, so, sure. Absolutely. Okay. Anything else? I don't think so. We've been thrilled to have you here today, yeah. Eddie. Thank you for taking the time yeah. and sharing your story and, and just letting the world know what you do and, um, and, and being a resource for us and for the people that we work with. So awesome. it's definitely something we strive for, and we're grateful for you and your time today. So you, thank guys you. Are, you guys are awesome. I know whoever's listening to this knows that, but uh, I love your marriage. Thank you. And I love you guys and, and just appreciate your character. So I've, I've seen you. I've sent clients to you. I know how you care and how you bleed over those folks. And and so I will continue to send folks. Thank so. you. Thanks for that. We appreciate you, Eddie. So the people who are listening, where can they find you? If they're looking for a mortgage, uh, what, what's gonna, how can they get a hold of you? So best way is to call me on my cell phone. Okay. So 832-347-8261 or email me at eddie at storehousemortgage.com. Perfect. So, awesome. Are you uh, Facebook, LinkedIn? Oh, yeah. I, can, like I got all that. They can find me. <laughs> all right. Fantastic. Anything else, Eddie? Talk to Elizabeth. She can find me. That's right. So, yeah. That's she knows where I'm at. So. That's right. All right. Well, Eddie, thank you again. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to be here. We really enjoyed it. We, we've learned a ton from you. We, we certainly admire you and uh, all that you do. We've learned a lot from you. So, uh, we certainly appreciate it. 